You know, when we read the Scriptures, we read of some fantastic stories of deliverance. Physical deliverance. You know, we think about the Bible, we think about Jesus, we think about spiritual deliverance. Certainly that's tremendously important to us and to our salvation. But we also read of these stories of physical deliverance where people were taken out of physical harm. People were actually raised from the dead. But beyond that, illnesses were cured. Uh, you just think about some of these stories. I think about Daniel. You know, he's thrown into a den of lions. He's in tremendous physical danger. Uh, and God stops the mouths of those lions. And they don't hurt Daniel. The three Hebrew children, they're thrown into a furnace of fire. And yet not a hair on their head is burned. You have prophets that stand in danger before large crowds and they cry out to God and God delivers them. And we read these stories and it's, it's pretty impressive to think about. We serve a God that can deliver us. A God that can help us. A God that can save us from not just spiritual danger but from physical danger as well. But then there's times when He just doesn't. When the physical deliverance doesn't come. Certainly God will always deliver us uh, in a spiritual sense. But sometimes physical deliverance doesn't come. Sometimes He just doesn't save us from physical harm. And He lets us go through that. He lets us endure that. And the question always comes up is why? Why do I have to endure this? You know, as I think about in the Word of God, there are just as many examples of people that weren't delivered. Just as many examples of people that suffered through it, that endured it, that had the pain and that had the agony. And as I look out across this very audience tonight, I see many of you that have just had to go through it. You just had to endure it. God didn't save you from the pain. God didn't save you from the agony. God didn't save you from the suffering. He just let you go through it. So what happens when he doesn't? I want to go back to the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I want to think about that story for just a minute because it's very intriguing. You know, there they are, all these people uh, fall down and worship this false god that's been made. And there's three guys standing up out in the middle of that crowd that did not bow down. They stuck out like a sore thumb, didn't they? They knew what was at risk. They knew the danger that that presented. That if they didn't bow down and worship that golden image that had been created, they were going to face some kind of punishment. And sure enough, here come the guards. And they take them to the king. And he's mad about it. And this is what they have to say to him. They say in Daniel 3 and verse 17, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And He will deliver us out of thy hand, O King. They're bold. They're not scared. They're not worried about this great furnace of fire that they're going to be cast into. They're bold. They say God can deliver us. But it's the next verse that I want to focus in on and think about for a while this afternoon. In verse 18 they say, But if not, be it known unto thee, O King, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They said, even if he doesn't deliver us, even if he doesn't deliver us, 
our faith won't waver. We're not going to bow down and worship your God. Satan today thinks that with a little bit of persecution, with a little bit of pain, with a little bit of agony, with a little bit of suffering, he can make you fall down and worship the golden image. He can make you give up on God. Satan's convinced of that. He's always been convinced of that. And so my question to you is, how are you going to react when God doesn't offer physical deliverance? When God lets you suffer through it? How are you going to react? What are you going to do? You know, Brother Sean stood up Wednesday evening as he was making comments about uh, the song Rock of Ages, and he said the storm is going to come. And it is. If you haven't had to suffer, if you haven't had to endure something difficult in your life, hold on. You will. The time will come. The time will come. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 11, the wise man said, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle of the, the, the strong, neither yet the bread of the wise, the riches uh, to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. But time and chance happeneth to them all. Time and chance happens to us all. And it's not something that, you know, God picks you out and says, they need to suffer for a little while. Time and chance happens. We live in a world. You look in the, in the, in the beginning of time, and it sure didn't take very long for something bad to happen to a good guy. As we rock along there in the process of time and Cain and Abel come about, you know, here's a guy in Abel that's worshiping God as God has commanded him to do and has offered him of the firstlings of his flock a sacrifice, a sweet-smelling savor unto God. And what happens to him? His brother kills him for it. His brother's jealous of him, and his brother kills him for it. Abel didn't do a thing wrong. Abel didn't deserve that. Something bad happened to a good guy. It didn't take long. And the world's been that way ever since. Bad things been happening to good people. Time and chance have been happening. It's just going to happen to us. We've got to be prepared. He goes on to say in the next verse, For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. We're not going to expect when something bad happens to us. It's just going to happen. And we're going to have to be prepared. We're going to have to deal with that. We're going to have to work through that. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. Our faith's going to be tested. We're going to be tried. And so the purpose of our study is, is this afternoon, I just want to look at three simple little things for us to realize, for us to think about, when the physical deliverance we're looking for doesn't come, when we're let to suffer through it, when we're left there to, to, to just make it through. Three things. First thing I want you to realize is that God still loves you. He still loves you. Just because something bad happens doesn't mean God doesn't love you. He loves you very much. He loved you so much He sent His Son to this earth to suffer and die for you. He loved you so much that He was willing to watch His Son hang there on the cross and endure terrible agony for you and for your sins so that He could deliver you in a spiritual sense. 
And so just because a little physical suffering happens doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 9, we remember how Paul said he had this thorn in the flesh. And three different times he prayed to God, please take this away. I don't know what that thorn was. People have speculated many different things. But something that bothered him, something that was a burden, something that was a problem, that was causing him grief, that was causing him suffering. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. You ever had a sticker? Some kind of thorn, especially in your foot where you step, every step you take it just pricks and prods and hurts. That's what Paul likens this to. It was a pain. And he said, please remove it, God. Please remove it. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. More gladly, therefore, I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said, I'll take glory in my affirmities then. This thorn in the flesh, I'll take glory in that because God has said in your weakness, I am made strong. Use that opportunity to draw close to God. Doesn't mean stop praying about it. Doesn't mean stop praying for that deliverance. Maybe Paul stopped, maybe he didn't. I don't know. But it doesn't hurt when you're in pain and suffering and in agony to pray to God about it. Certainly pray to Him. Others should pray. But you know what? If, if it doesn't happen, if the deliverance doesn't come, glory in God. He loves you. He's, he says, my grace is sufficient. I've given you a great amount of grace. I've given you salvation from your sins. That's sufficient. That's all you need. In Romans 8 and verse 38 and 39, it says, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not a thing. And I like this list. He just goes on and on, and it sounds like he could have just kept going on and on. Nothing is going to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. No amount of pain, no amount of suffering, no tragedy can separate us from the love of God. It does not mean that God doesn't love you. You've got to remember that. So many times, people face some form of adversity or some form of illness. It can be a big thing, or it could be stubbing your toe on the table, and they forget God loves them. Oh, woe is me. You know, my car broke down. I broke my toe. Some little thing. Or it could be something big. God loves you. What more does God have to do to prove to you that He loves you? He sent His Son. That's good enough. His grace is sufficient. I want to read uh, in Psalms, uh, the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 5. I want to read this out of the ESV. It says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me? How, how long, O Lord, He says, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Sound like you sometimes? Sound like me sometimes? <laughs> and it's bad. David had a rough patch. It's bad. 
Things were bad. And he's sitting there saying, How long, God, are you going to let this happen? How long are you going to have to endure this? My enemies are overcoming me. You, I, you won't answer my prayer. How long? How long? He says, Consider and answer me, O oh my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies shall say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I'm shaken. Then listen to what he says in verse 5. But I've trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. In five short verses here, he goes from saying, why me God? To saying, okay, I'll trust in your love. I'll trust in your love. Your steadfast, your complete love. And that's what we need to do. The reaction is not surprising. In the book of Luke, John the Baptist, who was sent to pave the way for the Lord, has a moment when he's in prison and he has to send two of his disciples back to the disciples of Jesus or to Jesus and say, are you the one that I'm supposed to prophesy about or do I need to look for somebody else? It's just this moment of weakness. A moment of doubt. This is John the Baptist. He was sent to pave the way for the Lord. And he said, is it really you? And Jesus said, you, you two guys go back and talk to John. And you remind him of all the things that I've done. You remind him of how the lame can walk and the blind can see. And how the sins are forgiven of people. You remind him of that. And I see that in David in this psalm. He goes from that moment of weakness, from that moment of despair, and realizing that things are bad, to finally in a short period of time coming around saying, okay, I'll trust in your love. And that's what you and I got to do. The moment of doubt is not surprising. And don't get down on yourself and don't be hard on yourself when that moment comes, but make it a fleeting moment. Make it a five-verse moment where it's gone. And you trust in God's love again. <clears throat> the second thing I want you to realize when you're going through that and the deliverance doesn't come is that it's an, it's an opportunity. You've been given an opportunity to demonstrate your faith. To show God what you're made of. To show Satan what you're made of. To cause him to flee. And go away from you. In 1 Peter 1 and verse 6 and 7, it says, Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now but for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, through, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor, honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. He said, Your trial of your faith is a precious thing. Why is it a precious thing? It gives you the opportunity to demonstrate your faith better than any other time. Anybody can serve God in the good times. Anybody can. It is an easy thing to serve God when nothing but good is flowing your way. Right? But when the difficulty hits, that's when our faith is tested. I want to go to Job chapter 1 and read verses 10 and 11. Job chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, it says, Hast thou not made a hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put 
put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he'll curse thee to thy face. Satan said, Job is a fake. Job doesn't have what it takes. Only reason Job's serving you, God, is because you've blessed him so much. You've given him all this stuff, a great family, great possessions, and everything he does turns to gold. And if you'll just touch him, if you'll just persecute him, if you'll just prick him, he'll curse you to your face. He's a phony. He's a fake. You know what? Satan's saying that to God about you right now. He's saying they're fake. And if you'll just reach out and touch them and hurt them, they won't serve you anymore. That's what Satan thinks. Are you? Are you fake? Are you phony? Or can you handle it? Can you walk through the fiery furnace? Knowing that maybe God will pull you out. Maybe He won't. Maybe He'll let you burn there. Maybe He'll let you suffer there. Maybe He'll let you go through that fire. Don't be a fake. Acts chapter 5 and verse 40 and 41, it says, Unto him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. The deliverance didn't come for the apostles on that occasion. They pulled them in and they beat them. They beat them within an inch of their life. And what did they do? And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They weren't fake. They went on preaching the gospel. They didn't let it slow them down. Don't let the fiery trial that you have to face slow you down. Don't let it cause you to curse God. Remember He loves you. Remember, this is a great opportunity for me to show Him what I'm made of. Hebrews 11 and verses 36 and 37. Uh, actually, we'll read through verse 39 there. It says, And others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth, and all these having obtained a good, re a good report through faith, received not the promise. These people, although their names are not mentioned, they are mentioned right here along the great heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And listen to their, their plight said that they had trials of cruel mockings. They were scourged, which means they were beaten very cruelly. It said they were in prison and in bonds. They were stoned. People stoned them and tried to kill them with stones. They were actually killed. They were sawn asunder. Sawed right in half. That's pretty rough. That's pretty rough stuff. And if they wasn't, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, didn't have a thing, Afflicted and tormented. And I read this and I think about the stories of the apostles, the twelve apostles, and what happened to them. All of them died some terrible death. Crucifixion, stoning, beheading, uh, just being killed for the cause of Christ. They weren't delivered physically. Spiritually, absolutely they were delivered. Physically, they were not. They were allowed to die as a martyr 
to be killed for the cause of Christ of whom the world was not worthy. The world has a track record of treating people badly. We're in this world, we're going to have something bad happen. Our body is going to decay. And if you live to be 150 and die a natural death, the world's going to treat you bad at some point because it's not going to be fun in those last days. That's just the way the world works. But these people, the world is not worthy of them. But they had a good report of faith, through faith. They're mentioned here of having great faith. Those cruel mockings and scourgings, those stonings, their faith didn't waver. They believed in God as strongly, maybe more strongly, as they came through that fiery trial. What about us? Do we use it as an opportunity to demonstrate our faith? Do we prove to Satan we're not a fake? We're not a phony. We can handle the rough times because we know what God's done for us. We know what the real purpose is. And that brings us to our last point. There's always heaven. There's always heaven. There's a reason that most of these songs we've sang this afternoon are about heaven. There's a reason. It's because it's a better place. It's just a better deal. The world is bad. Heaven is good. As good as it gets. So good, I can't sit here and describe it to you. But I know when we're facing that fiery trial and the physical deliverance doesn't come and it becomes more and more obvious that that physical deliverance is not going to come, that we're going to have to suffer through it, that we're going to have to endure it, that's where we've got to turn. Heaven. His grace is sufficient. Heaven is waiting. And it is a far, far better deal than anything we face on this earth. John 10 and 10, The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That's not a life on this earth, folks. That's not a life here living in this low ground of sin and sorrow. That's a more abundant life. A life in heaven. A life of peace and comfort where we're in the presence of the living God and can serve and be, uh, be for Him what He wants us to be a completely spiritual being that can serve Him perfectly and be for Him what He wants us to be. Philippians 3 and verse 20, our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to look down there uh, in the Spanish. It talks about, uh, I don't know if I can say it right, but Ciudadina, uh, which is a, it's a citizenship. It's a city. Our citizenship is in heaven. Some translations translate that verse that way. You know, we were saying there's songs that talk about being proud to be an American. Folks, I'm proud to be a citizen of heaven. A citizen of that great city. A citizen of that place where there is no pain and there is no agony. And we can lay hold on that citizenship now. When you're facing that tough trial, that difficulty, you remember that verse, I am a citizen of heaven. And it don't matter what happens right now. It don't matter if I make it home tonight. It don't matter if I make it out of this building tonight. It just doesn't matter because I'm a citizen of heaven. And that's where I want to be anyway. That's the goal. And so if I have to end up there a little faster than I wanted to or thought I was going to, <laughs> great. Get me there faster. 
First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 18, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. There it is. The deliverance will come. He'll deliver you from every evil work, every disease, every plague, every pain, every sorrow, every tragedy, every single evil work. He will deliver you. But you know where that deliverance is going to come? He says, I'll preserve unto me his heavenly kingdom. That deliverance comes in heaven. We won't know full deliverance until we're there. Until we're resting. He says he'll provide us a rest. And that's a heavenly rest. He says, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I want you to think about this one. Luke 23 and 43. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He said this to the thief on the cross. They're hanging on the cross. They're being crucified. It don't get any worse than that. Right then, right there. You know, maybe... The thief thought during the trial that somehow or another I'm going to get out of this and they won't hurt me and I'll, I'll escape and I'll, I'll get on home and go about my business. Maybe when the beating was happening and the scourging that preceded the crucifixion, maybe he still thought, no, maybe there's a chance. They're just going to beat me up real bad and let me go. That happens sometimes. But now he's hanging on the cross. You're not getting out of it anymore. The end is in sight now. As the muscles begin to fade and you can't hold yourself up anymore and the, the, the process of the crucifixion starts to take over and you realize, I'm not going to live through this. I'm not going to live through this. To hear these words then, today you'll be with me in paradise what it's about folks even if the physical deliverance doesn't come yeah God could have took Jesus right down off the cross he could have pulled him right down and saved him and took away all that pain but even if he didn't today they were going to be in paradise that day they were in paradise and for you if that pain comes and happens Hold on to that thought. There's always heaven. It's a far, far better place. So as we close, when the hard times come and you're faced with a difficult situation, I want you to remember these three things. Number one, don't forget He loves you. Don't forget that. Don't let that pain, that temporary pain, cause you to doubt the love of God because He loves you and He wants to save you. Don't lose faith. Use it as an opportunity to demonstrate your faith. Don't lose faith. Don't doubt Him. Don't let Satan be proved right when he said they're fakes and phonies. Show Satan. We love God. We love Christ. And a little bit of physical pain and agony is not going to slow us down. And don't lose hope. Remember, heaven is the goal. Heaven's the goal. And as far as I'm concerned, the quicker we get there, the better. Heaven is the goal. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, 
send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.